entrepreneurial, leadership, intellectual, This is the Cultural Connections Podcast. And hello, everybody. My name is Brian Ives, and I am the producer and host of the Cultural Connections Podcast. Before I introduce our guest today, I want to remind our viewers that we are recording this episode live on Thursday, January 19th, 2023. I Pretty certain this is our first episode of 2023, so Happy New Year to all of those uh, tuning in with us. And uh, uh, that means that we are live here on Facebook. So if you have a question during the duration of our broadcast, our live broadcast today, our live feed, please feel free to comment below and make sure to get your questions answered. Today on the podcast, we have a timely topic for you, and it's it's always a topic of discussion, and that is climate change and the impact it is having on our climate. And I couldn't be more thrilled with our guests. We, we have a legend that we're bringing on the podcast today, and that is legendary meteorologist Harvey Leonard, the chief emeritus meteorologist at WCVB TV Channel 5 from Boston. If you're in the Boston area, you should know who he is. He doesn't need more of an introduction than that. So thank you, Harvey, for joining me today. Thank you, Brian. It's great to be here. I look forward to it. Thanks. And I just have to point out, as a side note, for some viewers that know, I had prior to this telecast series, I had a series that I did called Weather and Its Surroundings. And I had the opportunity back many years ago now to have Harvey join me as a guest where we discussed severe weather at the time on the Newton Cable Television. Here we are today talking about climate change. So let's begin and let's start with a basic uh, question here. And that basic question is for our viewers that don't really understand what is climate change and give us a brief understanding of what climate change is. Okay, uh, I think there are two concepts we should try to understand right off the bat. Okay, number one is the difference between weather and climate. Um, and there is a difference. Of course, there's a relationship. So weather is what we're experiencing right now. And a weather forecast traditionally, you know, if you watch it on TV or get it over an app, you know, might go out to seven or 10 days, something like that. So that's all part of weather. But the average of weather over longer periods of time is what we call climate. And that's what we're talking about today when we talk about climate change. We're talking about a change in the average temperatures over a longer period of time. We're focusing on our area, but we're also concerned about the entire planet, what's going on there. So just because something may be happening uh, like a cold snap where you're living, does it mean that, oh, what happened to climate change? Or I thought we were warming. How come we're having such a cold snap? Remember, it's the average weather over months and years for the entire planet. And if that's going up, then climate change is happening and we're in a warmer period. Okay, so those are some of the basic concepts uh, to try to understand uh, about climate change. Now, our climate's always been changing. There are many forces at work uh, the jet stream and the general circulation of the atmosphere is the main driving force. Now, all this increase in greenhouse gases, that's being superimposed on the general circulation of the atmosphere. So it's an, an additive factor into the whole business of weather in the first place. Absolutely. Oh. No. Yeah, I know. I hear what you're saying there. And that makes perfect sense. Um, let's dive now more into Pacific 
this and when we talk about climate change and what we're really seeing a, a lot of wild weather activity specifically let's let's focus in for a few minutes with recently with what's been going in on in california yes. where they have been seeing extreme rain and extreme amounts of snow in the mountains up there how much of this is actually due to climate change and and why well i think one of the basic ways I wouldn't say this is an exact scientific description, but I think this is a good idea to get a general understanding of what we're talking about. So it's not as if these storms or these kinds of storms have never happened before or won't happen again. Yes, they do. And in fact, there's been some records uh, established for amount of precipitation in a short period of time with all this rash of storms. Um, you know, But if you look back, something similar also happened uh, in the early 1800s. And we wouldn't attribute that to climate change. So we have to be careful about just attributing a storm to climate change. That's probably wrong. But the way to look at it is that climate change is perhaps helping some of these storms. It's like putting them on steroids a little bit. Perhaps right. they're a little bit more potent than they would otherwise be. And that seemingly small difference can make a big difference in damage, things like that. So one example I want to give is what happened down in Florida with Hurricane Ian. Yes. And we all saw what happened to Fort Myers, Florida. So if somebody said, well, that storm was caused by climate change, I would say, no, that's not correct. Now, the waters off the coast, the west coast of Florida, were running a good two to three degrees above average. So that means when that storm gets in position, it has the ability to derive that extra moisture because warm air holds more moisture than cold air. And so that storm can get a little bit more intense in terms of wind, produce even a little bit more moisture. And so the degree of wind damage is increased. The degree of fresh water flooding, like around Orlando when that storm, is increased. So that's what I mean by climate change kind of putting some of these systems a little bit on steroids. And the one thing I want to say is the wind, when you increase the wind and when you're in these crazy ranges of hurricanes, category four and things like that, you increase the wind from 120, which is terrible enough, to 140 miles per hour. It's not a linear relationship. It's more like a logarithmic relationship. So the degree of damage really goes up. So that seemingly small extra uh, strength that the storms get can result in significant additional damage. Hmm, interesting, very interesting. But then in, in addition to that, though, in California, they, they've gone from one extreme of seeing this extreme rain to really for a long period of time where they've been in this extreme drought with the wildfires out there. How do you connect the two dots and not specifically say that this is really, I mean, that this is related to climate change or, or is right. it? Right. Yeah. Well, I think it is. And um, what's happening is we've noticed the greatest warming on average mm -hmm. has been occurring up in the polar regions. And so that starts messing around somewhat with the jet stream and the general circulation of the atmosphere. And so what's happening is we are noticing more extremes and it's been predicted by the climate scientists for quite some time, that that's how it would manifest itself. Now, in terms of getting uh, storms that could produce even more moisture, perhaps, okay, uh, the idea is 
a warmer world would be a wetter world by definition because warm air is capable of holding more moisture than cold air. So that would make sense. Now, the idea of the other extreme, meaning droughts, well, if you're in a warmer planet, when you're in an area that's getting clear skies, you're warmer, you're hotter, you can dry out the moisture in the ground even faster. And therefore you wind up in a dry period. And so you can actually cycle, and this is one of the dangers, especially out the Western United States, of going from one extreme drought to another extreme of floods. And the thing is this, extremes are the toughest to deal with both financially because of property damage, and of course the risk to human life. So you could see how this, this works. You, yes, you can go from extreme drought to extreme moist storms or right. damaging and or damaging storms. And this is kind of a, you know, a microcosm, what's going on out there from uh, you know, the, the drought and the wildfires right into uh, you know, the floods, one extreme to the other extreme. Absolutely. No, that makes that does make a lot of sense. And before we go any further, again, I just want to remind all of our viewers that are tuning in, watching us live today with this, you're uh, listening, we're watching the Cultural Connections podcast. We're live on Thursday, January 19th, 2023. And we're discussing climate change with legendary meteorologist Harvey Leonard. Uh, moving on here, a new study recently released indicates that 80% of adults in the United States believe that climate change is happening, while 60% say that climate change is happening, uh, is, is, is direct result caused by humans. Is it accurate to say that climate change is a result of human activity? Well, we say it that way because in the simplest sense, uh, the burning of coal and oil, which puts more and more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, I mean, we are really responsible for that you know i mean who's doing the work that's you know creating uh, the energy that we need to sustain life and so on and so forth when you're talking about the burning of fossil fuels um it's technically humans so uh that's the reason it's it's referred to as anthropogenic uh you know climate change or warming human induced in that sense but the actual warming is being caused by the increase in the greenhouse gases. And that's how you get into all of this, you know, the reliance on fossil fuels um, and it gets into, you know, the political world and so on. And of course, versus clean renewable sources of energy, solar and wind, uh, things like that, which in a sense, humans are also, you know, responsible for, but, you know, it gets into all types of things. You know, uh, you take an area, uh, you know, maybe West Virginia, where there's a lot of coal mining, and, you know, obviously people are concerned if that's how they're earning their, you know, their money, making you know, making money and their livelihoods, um, you know, so you that's the, that's the tug and push and pull. Another thing is, let's say here in the United States, we continue the push toward clean, renewable sources of energy. But in parts of the world, it's not happening. Let's say it's not happening very much in China and India, you know, two countries with huge populations. And so the point is, how much of a difference are we going to make if much of the rest of the world or some of the key parts of the very populated world doesn't go along with this? Mm -hmm. So that's how you get into the political things or, gee, we only have so much money to spend on so many different things, meaning the government. Uh, you know, where do we put the resources? And that's the tug and pull and push and pull that goes on, you know, in, in Congress all the time. So that's some of what's at stake here. So remember, every person 
is affected in some different way by climate change itself and by the you know attempt or the decision of what to do about it. Absolutely, no, that makes sense. Well, that that same survey, that same study and survey that that was conducted, which was conducted by Alabe and Viola, uh, North America, indicates as well that one in four Americans has decided to put major life events like having children on hold. Is this something to consider uh, with our climate rapidly changing, or or is this just? Well, yeah, I mean, those are personal decisions, okay? But we have to remember one thing, okay? We are human beings, and we have a history of also being adaptable. So climate change is real. There is some warming going on. There will be more. Uh, the question is, if we reduce, uh, greatly reduce, uh, you know, the burning of fossil fuels, uh, if we go to alternative clean sources of energy, the rate of warming initially will slow. That will be the first positive step. But it, it's going to be a tough process because when these greenhouse gases like carbon dioxide get up in the atmosphere, they stay there for a long time. So mm -hmm. to some extent, in terms of the problem, it's like the horse is out of the barn. Doesn't mean it's hopeless, however. We can first slow the warming and then and ideally perhaps you know help it uh, level off or go the other way. But that's going to take a lot of time and uh, a lot of work and a lot of unification, perhaps in the world, to truly accomplish that, or at least accomplish it in a more reasonable, uh, you know, period of time. Absolutely, no, that, that's understandable. That makes sense. Um, you started to touch on this a little bit, and I want to go a little bit further, and that is about how most Americans in, in this day and age right now see our political leaders in Washington take on issues like climate change. It has been seen as a hot, obviously a hot, heated issue in our nation's capital. What is the number one takeaway, in your opinion, that'll be the tipping point in making our lawmakers have to act sooner than later on climate change? Well, I think the the number one thing probably would be pressure from the constituents. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in the end, uh, you know, there are senators, there are congressmen and women, of course, um, and they are all supposedly, uh, you know, trying to push for the what the things, excuse me, what the people in their districts uh, and regions, you know, want, uh, because they represent them, you know, so theoretically. So if you're going to reach a point where the statistics that you're giving uh, and you're saying a majority, perhaps even an overwhelming majority of Americans believe climate change is real and a majority feel something should be done about it, that's going to put pressure on those congressmen and senators to act. Mm -hmm. um, and that's how it should push forward. But we have to also be fair here and state that people get information in a lot of different ways these days. I think we all know that. Okay, it could be from uh, old traditional TV, it could be from cable TV, social media, and on and on it goes. And there's a lot of things, you know, being said and shown on all these different media platforms, and that does influence or shape people's minds. So, for example, if there's a, a media source that has a, si a very sizable audience saying something like climate change is a hoax, okay, then that's going to influence a certain percentage of people. So messaging is important. And um, I would hope that truth is important. And I think it's challenging sometimes for the public to truly know what is the truth when right. they may be hearing very different things from different media sources. That's mm -hmm. challenging. 
No, absolutely. I would agree with you. I think especially in this day and age with social media, I think that's become a clear evidence problem. Um, again, before we go further, I just want to one more time remind all of our viewers watching at home that we are that you're watching that you're watching or listening to the Cultural Connections podcast. We're live on Thursday, January 19th, 2023. And we're talking climate change with legendary meteorologist Harvey Leonard. If you have a question you'd like answered during the duration of our live broadcast today here on Facebook, please feel free to comment below and we will get your questions answered during the live feed. My next question, and this is another word that people often tend to uh, interwine with climate change, even though they're not entirely identical or the same, but they somehow people get them. I think these terms confused, and that is they interwine the term climate change with global warming. In your opinion, is global warming a threat that we should also be taking seriously at this? Uh, yeah, I think we should be taking it seriously. I also think that there are some that pushing for perhaps a better term to use would be like climate disruption. Mm. Um, because it's almost like um, you have to, again, imagine two things. The, the whole general circulation of the atmosphere. I think this is worth pointing out. So how does weather really even start? Well, you know, of course, the Earth revolves around the sun. And because of the Earth's orbit around the sun, different parts of our planet get heated differently. Some get more sunshine at different times, some get less. And of course, that's how we warm. And so once you start a temperature difference around the planet, the way it works in physics, temperature, pressure, and wind are all directly proportional to one another. So you start to get wind differences. And of course, wind is the movement of air. And we get storms because there's an imbalance in the heating of the planet. And the planet's trying to achieve a balance. That's how we get weather systems and storms. It could never fully achieve it because the sun continues to heat the planet differentially, not the same at all times and all areas. So that's how weather you know, gets started in the first place. And so we're always going to have had storms, like all the types of storms that we have, tornadoes, hurricanes, snowstorms, blizzards. We've had them for as long as we can remember. All right, so it's not unusual to have them. But if something starts to happen with much greater frequency, much greater intensity, or even the other way around, that's changing or perhaps disrupting. So climate change is kind of disrupting to some extent that general circulation of the atmosphere. The way to think of it, okay, is you have the general circulation of the atmosphere, the whole weather machine, that creates weather and the changes of weather in different places at different times on our planet. And then you're superimposing climate change or the increased greenhouse gases on this weather machine. So it's tending to alter it in some ways, uh, changes to, you know, slight changes to the jet stream. And small changes in weather can mean big changes in how it really affects people and the direct impacts. We know that because we could have a big storm coming. And if temperatures in the atmosphere going up all the way down to the ground or all below 32, we're gonna have a snowstorm. But if it's close to 32 and over time, climate change and the average warming makes it a little bit above 32, what was a snowstorm decades ago can suddenly be a rainstorm. So right. small changes make big changes in terms of what actually happens and the impacts and how it affects us. So that's the way to look at it. 
whether you call it climate change, global warming, climate disruption, it's basically superimposing uh, this changing climate due to increased greenhouse gases on this entire weather machine that's already in place. So, well, that's very interesting. I mean, it's, that is all very interesting, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, moving along here, one of my next questions is that one of our one of the biggest changes to climate change, and I think also has been the warming of our planet, which I think also relates to global warming, uh, and it is specifically in areas like Greenland, where recently the melting of the ice caps up there has been a significant issue over the last several years. Can you explain the threat that this is causing to our planet, and is there any way to stop or, and reverse what is happening? Yeah. Well, I mean, the only way to stop and reverse what's happening is, again, if we're able to do something to slow, halt, or reverse what seems to be happening, okay? Melting of, uh, of glaciers and ice caps, and as you're talking about in Greenland. Um, so, yes. Now, again, you know, the Earth's orbit changes a little bit. Uh, over time, and that can affect long-term weather cycles. There are these oscillations and patterns that exist in the atmosphere. We probably don't know all of them, but we learn all the time. And we know more and more of them. So, you know, there are periods in time, and that's what some people who try to question, you know, the whole thing about climate change will say, well, but we've had warming and cooling periods, you know, in the past, uh, and so on. You know, we think of our own lifetimes, we're like a blip in the big picture, of the whole weather machine and this planet. But, you know, we're here for the time that we're here and we're trying to learn and do whatever we can about things. So yes, the, the melting of the polar ice caps, that does seem to be um, something that is happening, uh, a trend on average. And remember, the greatest warming has been in the polar regions. So therefore that is not that surprising or shocking to know that's going on. Mm. Um, and it's likely to continue unless something happens to change the trajectory that's right. going on when we superimpose climate change on the general circulation of the atmosphere. Interesting, very interesting. Well, bringing it back locally here, here in the Boston area, we have, we seen the, these rapid different changes in climate and with extreme weather here, just alone here in Boston, specifically, uh, within the recent months, starting with last summer, having one of the driest summers on record to having that extreme drought that we had for much of the state uh, over the summer months to so far this winter, having little snow this winter. Is this the new normal? I mean, do, or can we expect patterns like this to continue, do you think? Or what, what's your yeah. take? Um, to try to, first of all, to answer that, let me just say that um, it's never going to be one size fits all in this type of a situation, we should never overreact to one location or one season or even one year. Now, in the Boston area, when we look at the climate record and we compare how today's weather compares to the average weather on this date, we're doing that for a 30-year kind of running average that changes every 10 years. So in other words, we would consider the average temperature for today based on what's happened between 1990 and 2020, all right? Before we were at 2020, say when we were in the year 2015, we were looking at the averages from 1980 to 2010. We changed the decade, we moved up a decade. 
So right now we're seeing from 1990 to 2020, we look at the averages. When we compare that to 1980 to 2010, shifting it 10 years back, what changes do we notice? We notice warming. Mm -hmm. That seems to be very significant and, and pretty consistent. Actually, in Boston, when we looked at the average snowfall for 1990 to 2020 and compared it to 1980 to 2010, it went up, not huh. down. Hmm. All right. So Boston's average snowfall has gone up, even though their average temperature has gone up. And you might say, that seems inconsistent. How right. can that be? Well, the way it can be, I think the warming we've expected. But when I mentioned the warming being most significant in the polar regions, that does affect and alter the jet stream. And so a lot of times the average situation in the winter, of course, the very coldest is in the high latitudes. We're cold here, not quite as cold down south. That's if everything is moving in its zones from west to east. But the warming in the Arctic is disrupting the jet stream and the polar vortex, this pocket of cold air that usually sits somewhere near the North Pole, can at times get stretched or dislodged. And it can make an intrusion into North America and cause a very cold outbreak. It also can temporarily shift the storm tracks a little farther south, which actually can put us in a snowier pattern. So what we've noticed is the number of blockbuster snowstorms was actually higher in the 1990 to 2020 period than the 1980 to 2010 period. And the result was Boston's average snowfall from 1980 to 2010, 44 inches. Advanced at 10 years, 1990 to 2020, 48 inches. Actually went up four yeah. inches because of the higher incidence of blockbuster storms. Right. So it's like getting them in bigger chunks, okay? So that's what we notice. Now, will that pattern continue going forward? It may, but if everything else stays the same and we continue to slowly warm, eventually some of those big blockbuster snowstorms might become just a little bit too warm to be snow, they become rainstorms, and then your snowfall average decreases. Hmm. So even though now we seem to be in an average of the snowfall going up, uh, that probably won't continue on and on and on if nothing else changes in the trajectory that we're going. So what that means is don't look at one winter. Just like when we talk about we're getting warmer than average. For example, the growing season on average is getting longer meaning the first frost and freeze in the, in the fall is occurring a little bit later on the calendar, on average. The last freeze or frost in the spring is occurring a little bit earlier. So mm -hmm. that means the growing season can be longer. But remember, climate, that's on average. It doesn't mean it will work that way every single year, but it means more often than not, that's what you can expect going forward. So that's the thing I want people to remember. Like in, the, in 2014 and 15, um, we had only, that's why you have to be careful. If you think winter's over. We only had five and a half inches of snow as of January 23rd. And we wound up with 110 inches of snow in Boston, the snowiest winter on record. And it was very cold in February and March. And people, they would actually say to me, hey, Harvey, 
Where's global warming when you need it? Right. <laughs> okay. They're reacting to the moment or that instant or that season. Right. Okay. But remember, weather extremes are going to continue to occur even more so. Another way to look at it is this. If we look at recent decades, we're seeing a larger number of days with record high temperatures across the United States than record low temperatures. But we're not seeing zero record low temperatures. It happens, but the frequency is getting greater for the warmer periods and less for the colder periods. Or when the colder periods come, they don't have the staying power that yeah. they did in the past. Those are the things to realize. And it's not an easy concept for everybody to grasp because the natural thing is to react to the moment right at the location you are at. Right. Okay. And, like you know, like half the area is getting snow, half the area is getting rain. Most people care what it's doing outside their window, especially if they're not going anywhere. Right. So, you know, that's just human nature. So human nature, we react to the moment. But remember, climate is longer term averages. And, right. And that's that's the thing to think about with climate change, global warming, climate disruption, whatever you want to call it. Right. Absolutely. No, I think that's important. And it makes a lot of sense. Um, one more time again, just to remind our viewers that are tuning in with us during our live broadcast. We are live here on the Cultural Connections podcast live on Thursday, January 19th, 2023. We're talking climate change, all things climate change with legendary meteorologist Harvey Leonard. My next question to you, and this is also this is another study that has been also recently done, is to indicate that infectious diseases are spreading around the globe more frequently now with uh, uh, as a result of climate change. How accurate do you think something like that is? Do you think, in fact, that is a cause of climate change and why? Well, I mean, in, in terms of, I'm certainly not an infectious disease expert, obviously. Um, in terms of infectious diseases, I think the spread of any, uh, anything that's contagious, okay, is greater now than in the past. But that's just because the world is a smaller place because you can just fly from one location to a far, far away location. Um, which many people do. People travel for business, for recreation, for various reasons. So you could see it's hard to keep something contained if it's contagious. Now, as for the infectious diseases themselves, I can't really speak for those, but I can say that things like tropical-borne uh, diseases, like malaria, for example, if the planet continues to warm, then those type of diseases normally seen in the tropics will begin to move to farther northern latitudes. Maybe they start to move into the southern United States, for example. So that's the type of thing to be aware of. Tropical-borne uh, um, illnesses uh, may be able to migrate farther north uh, because the climate does have something to do with that. Um, now, we are seeing this because of longer growing seasons. Some people might like that. Mm -hmm. But one of the negatives attached to that for many, longer allergy seasons. Right. Okay? So that means that when you start in the spring, maybe you're starting even a little bit earlier, you know, because you're starting to get growth even a little earlier than we used to on average. And it's lasting longer. So allergies are a little more intense, lasting a little bit longer, things like that. So that's a problem, uh, you know, for people. So there's a whole you know, domino effect from the whole thing of uh, 
of that. Now, think about our food, think about farming, think about agriculture. If weather patterns shift a little bit, then areas that were great for climate because of the, uh, for uh, growing and farming and agriculture, because it was a good climate, now that climate shifts north, what happens to those areas? What happens to the farmers? Mm -hmm. You know, their crops could be drying out, things like that. Obviously, when you get extremes of drought, we have this with the Colorado River, you know, it's, it's, it's so low. And that's supplying water for a large part of the Western United States. So you run into all of these problems and complications. Okay. Absolutely. I did want to mention one thing, and that is, uh, to some extent, our ability to adapt or climate change is happening. There's warming on average, sea levels going up. Now, right. that's important because if you live near the coastline, it means that whenever you get one of these storms, even if let's say the storms are no worse than before, but there's reason to believe they can be a little bit stronger. But even if they were the same, if the sea level is higher to begin with, then it's going to be easier. It's going to take less of a storm to start causing coastal flooding and beach erosion. And mm -hmm. now with the warmer ocean waters, adding a little more fuel to the storms, the storms themselves can be a little bit stronger. Combined with higher sea level, more incidences of coastal flooding and beach erosion. Now that's mm -hmm. for coastal areas. And over the decades, more people are living near and along the coast. More structures are near and along the coast. There's more in harm's way. So that's why it's an additive effect. When you add all the factors together, you could see there's reason for concern. So what can be done? Well, especially with new construction, you build them with higher foundations, for example. Right. Uh, maybe you don't no longer put furnaces in, in buildings on the bottom floor in case there's flooding. Put it higher up. So there is engineering and architectural things that are being done, and that's called mitigating the problem or trying to adapt to it. So it's a multi-phased approach. Things like wind and solar, the idea to decrease the dependence on fossil fuels, cleaner, renewable sources of energy, you hope to slow the rate of climate warming and maybe eventually stop it. Um, and you know the other thing is how we adapt as human beings and what we can do to try to offer us more protection from the, the result of the changes that are happening. Absolutely. No, that's very interesting. I think very important and very interesting. Uh, just again, one more time, want to remind all of our audience watching or listening that we are live here on the Cultural Connections podcast on Thursday, January 19th, 2023. We're talking all things climate change with legendary meteorologist Harvey Leonard. And if you have a question or uh, that you would like answered during this duration of our broadcast, which will be coming to an end soon, uh, then please comment below here on Facebook where we are live from. My next question to you is that in addition to all of these extreme weathers that we're seeing is that in upstate New York a couple of months ago, they got hit with records amount of feet and feet of snow. And how much of that, I mean, do we correlate with, I mean, is that climate change and how, how do we correlate that with climate change or with not, without not right. being climate uh, I think what we can say is there is a, there, I think there is a relationship Again, there have been lake, that's lake effect snow. That's an effect that has happened virtually every winter. This was a pretty extreme case and it happened twice this year up in Buffalo already. 
I should say that the last time something like that happened that bad in Buffalo was the winter that we eventually got slammed with snow in late January, February, and March. So don't <laughs> count your chickens before they're hatched is the, is the rule there. But yes, it does contribute to it. For example, when I mentioned that we're noticing with climate change and the disruption of the jet stream, the polar vortex that once in a while stretching itself south, leading to these cold outbreaks. So if we get, like we did, a real cold outbreak, uh, remember it was uh, closer to the uh, Christmas period, just before and around Christmas time, we get a real cold outbreak and the wind, the cold, bitter cold air passes over the unfrozen Great Lakes where the water temperature is higher than average. The difference between the air right at the surface of the Great Lakes and that cold air mass above it is so extreme. That's what causes this lake effect machine to develop. And it just goes on and on, and you get these narrow, super intense bands of snow. They can alter the location based on a subtle shift of the wind, but they're very, very intense. And that's what happened twice mm -hmm. uh, this particular uh, you know, winter season. So you know, that's it. Another thing is, what do you hear about? We heard about that. In fact, that was we, we heard this once in a generation storm was what right. the media was was calling this. I don't know if I completely agree with that statement. It was a very strong and powerful storm. It was affecting much of the country. It was a large, real cold outbreak, which again led people to believe, hey, you know, what is this? I thought the planet's warming. Why are you getting this wicked cold outbreak over most of the country? But let's look at another thing, which you didn't hear much from the media. How long did that last? And what followed it? You know, I am... I still have a, uh, which I'll talk about in a moment, uh, mm -hmm. wonderful relationship with WCVB, the station uh, here in Boston, Channel 5, where it was for the last 20 years, great television station. And I actually uh, did a one evening um, unretired myself. And it was Christmas Eve so that the rest of our weather staff could be off with their families because they're wonderful people. Right. So I happened to work Christmas Eve, which made people a little weird, the ones who were watching, because they said, wait a minute. Well, am I watching TiVo or, or what's going on here? Because, you know, I'm like retired. But uh, I did. And it was during that very cold outbreak. And I still remember at the end of that weathercast, I said, you know, I was doing the seven-day outlook, which took us to New Year's weekend. And I said, one thing I can guarantee you, New Year's weekend will be much milder than Christmas weekend. And you can take that right to the bank. Okay, hmm. now here's the point. The whole country went way above normal for New Year's weekend, but you didn't hear much about it. Right. That's not as dramatic. But when right. you're getting six feet of snow and right. bitter cold, obviously that's more impactful, more dramatic. So, but that's the point. Yes, it was a real cold outbreak, but it didn't last that long. Right. And then the whole country went mild, which is more unusual than the cold outbreak. So, that's the idea. Yes. The other thing is we're still capable here of getting intense winter periods within the winter. But what clearly seems to be less common is what we would call an old-fashioned, long, continuous type of New England winter, where it's very cold almost consistently through the winter with very little in the way of thaws. 
Mm -hmm. That seems very, very difficult to happen now. Okay? Yeah. But we can get intense periods within the winter, but not a full winter of it. I'm not saying that will never happen again, but again, looking forward, that's likely to happen with even less frequency than it has in the past. So yeah. that's the idea about climate change. Well, that's very interesting. Uh, and I thought the same thing back on Christmas Eve when I was when I was tuning in. <laughs> um, but my final question to you here as we start to wrap up is more of a prediction based question. And that is that, as I mentioned earlier in uh, um, mentioned earlier in the, that uh, in, the, in the podcast, we talked about with Boston being having a really mild winter so far. And with specifically just yesterday having temperature yesterday, we're recording again this live on Thursday, January 19th. On January 18th, seeing temperatures in the 50s in Boston in January just doesn't seem right. Um, what does the rest, we're holding you to this, what does the rest of the yeah. winter, like? and let's not go through a repeat of 2015 if we don't have to? Uh, I understand what you're saying. Um, uh, I'm not good enough or smart enough to give you a solid answer on that, but I will say this. Looking at the patterns and the trends, it does look like we are going to be headed to a colder weather pattern, I would say maybe starting at about a week. And prior to getting to that weather pattern, we are going to have a couple of storms, very close in terms of rain versus snow. Part of uh, the Boston area might get rain, part of it may get snow, but parts of New England at least uh, look like they're gonna have a real increase in snow cover, particularly ski country. Uh, as we go through the next seven to 10 days, followed by a colder pattern. I'm not saying it's going to be a repeat uh, or, or 2014-15, but I am saying that something closer to more typical winter weather does seem to be in the offing. And one final thing I want to mention, Brian, if you would just allow me. Um, you know, I still am continuing on in an obviously much more limited way on WCBB-TV, but it's a great weather team that is still there. Uh, now headed up by Cindy Fitzgibbon, the chief meteorologist. But everybody there is really terrific. Mike Wonkum, uh, AJ Burnett, uh, Kelly uh, Kellyanne Chickalese, who's been on maternity leave, but she'll be back shortly, and David Williams, the newest member of the weather team. So still a great weather team, and uh, they'll take you through all the changes. Uh, so, you know, stick with WCVB. It's, it's the place to be. Got to say that. Absolutely, of course, no, and definitely here on the Cultural Connections podcast, we will push that too. We, I couldn't agree further. Well, that said, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, how much fast time flies. It's been yeah. great. This conversation definitely has been amazing. Learned a lot during this podcast, and I hope our viewers listening and watching at home learned a lot today too about climate change and the impact it's having on our planet. Thank you again to Harvey Leonard, the legendary meteorologist here, for joining me on this podcast today. If you have questions or comments that you would like answered that you did not get answered today, either comment below on Facebook, or you can also email me directly at brianives at gmail.com. That's B-R-I-A-N-I-V-E-S at gmail.com. And also, if you have suggestions for future shows, you can email me as well. Always open to suggestions. So again, thank you everyone for watching or listening, and we hope you'll tune and again next time. I'm Brian Ives, and I'm the producer and host of the Cultural Connections podcast. Thanks for watching. Thank you again for watching this episode of the Cultural Connections podcast. For more information on today's episode, be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch this episode again in its entirety on our YouTube channel. 
This podcast is also available on listening platforms Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Breaker, Radio Public, and New TV. Thanks again for watching this episode of the Cultural Connections Podcast.